Welcome to this special episode of Legacy Nashville Podcast. In this episode, Hillsong teacher Pastor Nathan Finocchio joins us for Legacy Weekend, a power-packed conference rooted in the presence of God and the life-changing truth of His Word. We pray this message encourages and empowers you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's join the weekend. Thank you. That's great. Please, uh, before you sit down, find the best-looking person you can find and just be like, it's good to see you tonight. Oh, come here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'd love to. Um, no, it's good. I'm good. I wrote a book last year. It's called Hearing God. It's just kind of like a practical way to... I, I believe that the supernatural isn't always spectacular. Sometimes it's super ordinary. And, like, and um, I, I believe that you know, God speaks in incredible moments like tonight. Um, I really believe that. But he also speaks to you through just a number of ways that sometimes we just kind of overlook. Um, so anyways, just want to give this away to whoever. Who wants it? Just two of them. It's great. Enjoy. If you're not having issues in that department, I mean, I guess we all are actually, but give it to somebody who is. That's great. All right. <laughs> well, it's good to be here today in Nashville. Um, wow. It's pretty good. Pretty good to be here in Nashville, the land of my sufferings. It's amazing. I won't go into it, but I used to be a musician. I sort of still am. Um, but, <laughs> amazing, very good. Um, today, <laughs> today I want to. I'm going to show you something. Um, so my wife and I, we just we moved to, to California um, just under a year ago. Uh, I've never lived in California before. We were in New York for nine years before then. I'm actually a Canadian, um, but uh, oh, I don't know why I have my California driver's license. Um, I wanted to show you this. I wanted to show you this. This is my um, this is my Disneyland pass. That's right. That is my that's my annual Disneyland pass. It is the top tier one. If you're wondering, okay, it was a lot of money. I got two of them for my wife and myself. Um, and we go every week, dude. We love Disneyland. And uh, there's nothing wasted on us at, at Disneyland. I grew up in a home where I wasn't allowed to watch much. Actually, my parents were pretty strict. And there probably half of Disney movies I wasn't even allowed to see until I was like, you know, 10 or 11 or, you know, 21. Um, and, but all that to say, like, we, we know the songs and the stories and all of the characters, like my wife and I. Like, I got gadgets and gizmos aplenty, you know? <laughs> I got who's it's and what's it's galore, right? Thingamabobs, I've got, but who cares? No big deal. Oh, yes. So when we go to Disneyland, it's unlike any theme park because just we, we know the, the narrative, right? Like we know the story and we know what's happening. There's, there's no throwaways at Disneyland, right? Because we're just so familiar with the stories and the songs and it's full immersion, right? And it's like every brick at Disneyland is magical. And uh, this message essentially is about that. It's about how church is supposed to be and, and the things that we do as a church, the whole action uh, of church is supposed to be magical, but sometimes we lose, like the, the mechanism loses its meaning in repetition. Wow. You know, it's weird. Have you ever, have you ever stared at, at a word uh, and it's like it lost all meaning? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like reading, like, look at the. What is the? The. You know what I mean? Like, it's the weirdest thing, the mind, but it's kind of like, uh, we just sort of, we stare, you stare at something. So I'm 37 years old. I've been doing church my whole life. I was born under the pew, essentially. Um, and, and a number of years ago, I had like a, like a mini 
Christian existential crisis. Uh, we're in New York and just doing so much church, so many services, you know, seven, I think eight services is our record in a day. And you're just like service after service after service after service. And it's like you're staring at the, you know, and it's like, why do we do what we do? You know, I, like you can, you can just kind of get a little bit churched out and you can miss. Um, it's funny that big things, G.K. Chesterton said that big things have a better way of, of hiding than little things. Like, like, for example, like the earth. We thought that the earth was flat forever, right? Like big things have a better way of hiding at times than little things. So today I want to talk about some big Christian things. And hopefully we can just to kind of take a, a, a look back, like a 40,000 foot view of what it means to do church and some of the things, the practices that we do as Christians. And hopefully we can see a bit of the magic in them so that church is magical you know when you come and there's a little bit of magic in everything that you're doing and you're hearing me you know you're there's you're, you're, you're we're thinking about the things that we're doing and not just doing them because that's what we do like you know what i mean like is this christian karaoke is that what we do you know like um you're hearing me so that's kind of the that's the thought um but behind this message if you're taking notes uh this evening this the title of this talk is yod with kabod <laughs> Yod with Kabad. Um, I don't know if we have it on the screen, it's, but I'll spell it out for you. Y-A-D, Yod, with Kabad, K-A-B-O-D, Kabad. They're two Hebrew words, and much like some of the things that we do as Christians, they, they probably make no sense to you. And, and so I'm going to explain what Yod is, and I'm going to explain what Kabad is, um, and then hopefully... Uh, and I guess the title is somewhat of a microcosm of the message, and uh, and then we'll 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 understand those things, and hopefully we understand kind of what we're doing. Just a fresh look uh, for us who maybe know what we're doing, but just that fresh look of oh, okay, cool. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. So I'm married to Jasmine. Jasmine is an Australian, and um, I suppose that marriage is hard enough. But being married to an Australian is, you know, it's tricky. <laughs> I'm Canadian, she's Australian, so we have the Commonwealth in common. Uh, you know, our, our great love for the Queen and living in her penal colonies, respectively. Um, but uh, beyond that, you know, Jazzy is, is actually amazing, like how much... Uh, learning there is like <laughs> understanding her accent you know like I've got that <laughs> um, she's she's mostly Americanized a little bit um, which has been good I, I, it's hard to understand her parents to be quite honest with you at times um, but all that to say so we're, I, I'm learning more about her so there's like there's been that like kind of like cultural thing but you know I'm a man and she's a woman and we're just very we're different you know like <laughs> In marriage, it actually, Tim Keller says that it takes about seven years for you to find out that you're not married to the person that you thought you married. <laughs> so there's that too. You know, um, and the reason being is because, because we're control freaks and we, we project onto uh, our partner the idealized spouse. And so, you know, they're talking and we're not listening because we're just thinking, no, this is who I married. And it takes about seven years for us to finally, you know, do what we're supposed to do, which one of the things that you're supposed to do in marriage is you're supposed to shut your mouth and allow that person to talk, you know, and then you listen. It's insane. It's this new thing. It's, it's all the rage. You know, so you stop talking and then the sound goes into the holes on either side and then you compute what is happening in relationship <laughs> it's funny in relationship um, the way that uh, you're supposed to get to know somebody is that they self-define so you can't really like you can't know somebody unless right they're self-defining and you stop projecting upon them right so it takes seven years for that typically to happen, which it's interesting, the, like the, the year of divorce is year seven, right? Why? Because I can't manipulate you anymore. 
you know, like now I'm starting to figure out that you weren't who I thought you were married. You're, you're, you're this person, you know what I mean? That's another message entirely. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I'm in this relationship and, and, you know, trying to figure out who Jasmine is and, and Jasmine is self-defining and, and I'm starting to, we're, we're in year six and a half. So I'm starting to find out even, you know, more about my wife, you know, but, um, I'm figuring, I, I've learned, you know, in the past, I've, I've learned, you know, Jasmine has preferences, right? Um, so Jasmine loves avocado toast. Okay? I know that that might not seem like a big deal, but I know that. That's knowledge. It's mine now. I've suffered dearly for it. You know, <laughs> you, just, you just accumulate little beads of truth about one another, and you store them. And um, she... I'm a Canadian, so toast in, a, in Canada, like, is essentially garbage. <laughs> right? N- nobody orders toast in Canada. In, in Canada, you go to a truck stop, and you get a breakfast, and they bring toast out, and you eat the eggs, you eat the bacon, you eat the meats, all the important things. And then if you're still hungry, right, you'll eat the toast. But if you're not, you'll wipe your face with the toast and throw it on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Toast. But in Australia, toast is like, it's a main course. Like, they're obsessed with it. And they put avocado on it, and they charge $25 for it. And so, I had to learn, like, what she likes, and why she likes that, and kind of get over it, and just go, no, this is Jasmine's preference. You know, she's a, she's a human, and humans have preferences, and so, you know, I want to love my wife. So, and one of the things you're supposed to do, once again, in marriage, is you're supposed to listen to them and allow that person to self-define. And then on top of that, you're supposed to find out what, it's insane. This is this new, this new thing called loving people. And what you do is you find out what they like, and then you love them the way that they like to be loved. It's insane. It's insane. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to love Jasmine with toast. Because that just makes no sense to me. But that's what she loves. You hearing me? Uh, my wife, <laughs> my wife, when she likes a food, she rolls her eyes into the back of her head. Right? So she'll be eating something, and she'll be, <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean? I'll be like taking notes. You know what I mean? Rolled eyes at sushi. You know? Um, she she loves sushi. Um, she rolls her eyes at it. So, and then, um, the, but there's different rolling of eyes, right? Like, so you have to note that. You know what I mean? Like, rolled eyes at me playing PS4 for eight hours. Interesting. You know, like, not the same eye roll, right? <laughs> um, then there's, uh, my wife, my wife uh, is Australian. She likes to drink. I'm a Christian, so I <laughs> don't. Jesus' miracles were, you know, involving wine were ob- it was obviously grape juice, right? Um, non-alcoholic. He would never compromise his witness like that. Um, so, so my wife, my wife likes to drink. She loves wine. She likes all the wines, right? Like she just, she loves wine. Um, and uh, one of the wines that she likes is a Pinot Noir. I don't like Pinot Noir. I like. I prefer like a, a rich, jammy California Cab Sav. That's my, my vibe. Flavor explosions. You know what I mean? Like little sip of it with like cheese. I'm like ratatouille explosions in my mind. Right? Very, very cultured. Right? And then my wife drinks this Pinot Noir. And the Pinot Noir is like the most neutral grape ever. It's just, it's so neutral in fact and, and so, so subtle that you can taste the ground that it was grown in. Like, for reals. Like, it's, there's always that kind of dirty vibe on the palate. And then on the nose, a Pinot Noir smells like a freshly opened pack of tennis balls. Right? Like, it's, you ever smell, you know what I mean? It's rubbery. So, so on the nose, it's rubbery. On the palate, it's dirty. I don't want to drink that. You know what I'm saying? But my wife loves an Oregonian Pinot Noir. She loves Pinot Noir. So, so I will, um, 
I will bring, if I want to love her, right, I'm going to bring home avocado toast and a Pinot Noir. You hearing me? Right, because that's what she prefers, right? And would you agree with me that people, it's perfectly natural for people to have preferences, right? And we don't begrudge people because they have personal preferences. We understand it, right? Like, okay, that's weird. It's not what I'd like, but I don't begrudge you your personal preferences. So two thoughts. Firstly, God is a person. He's not an impersonal cosmic force. Right? He's a per- it's, he is a person. The scriptures are so entirely clear about what he is. He's a person. He's got a mind. He's got a heart. He's got feelings. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You hearing me? Right? Jesus wept. We're talking about three. The the Godhead is three very distinct people with personalities and preferences. You hearing me? So as a person, God has preferences. As a person, God has preferences, which means that I don't get to love him the way that I want to love him. You hearing me? I have to find out what God likes, and then I love him the way that he wants to be loved. That's essentially the role, that's what we do as Christians, right? And how do, we, how do we find out? Well, it, it's amazing, but as a person, right, as people, one of the, one of the great um, like Maslow pyramid type emotional things for people is to be understood. People desperately need to be known and understood. You hearing me? So God is a person, and as a person, like it makes so much sense that there's a Bible. Of course, because he's a person and he wants to be known. And he doesn't want to be projected upon like what we do with every, right? Like we do that to people and we do that to God. Well, God's like this. Well, no, he's not because the scriptures clearly explain what he's like and what he likes. You hearing me? The scriptures are God's self-revelation. They're his self-definition. Hey, this is, this is who I am, and this is what I'm passionate about, and this is what I'm like. Of course he would write this best-selling, huge book about himself. Right? Because he wants to, of course there would be an incarnation, because he wants to be known, just like you want to be known. Like, I don't come into your life and go, you like bacon and eggs, it's your favorite. No, I don't, I'm, I'm a vegetarian. Not my, my problem, like, this is who you are now. You hearing me? And then, and then beyond that, and I, I, have you ever seen like on, on Facebook or something, uh, you know, a video about like, you know, we're not in a religion, we're in a relationship. You ever heard, or maybe heard some of that talk? That's fine. Let's, let's go with that. Um, yes, we are in a relationship with God. Let me tell you something as a married man. I'll take a religion over a relationship any day. I'm just being real. Because a religion, you can mail that in, but you cannot mail in a relationship. Dude, a relationship is so much more work. You know, like Christians that are like, oh, it's, a re- it's a relationship. It doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want to do. You hearing me? Dude, are you, have you ever been in a relationship? Dude, it is work. You have to shut your mouth, let them talk, allow them to self-define, find out what they like, do what they like. It is, it sounds so easy. It's so hard. You hearing me? So as a person in relationship with God, and by the way, you're the beneficiary of this relationship, right? Like being in relationship with God, I mean, oh my gosh, it's insane. What the, the, remember the benefits in Psalm 103? of being in, in relationship with God. I mean, there's insane benefits to being in relationship with God. And I mean, he's the one that's initiated the relationship. He's been pursuing you and, and he's, he loves you. And it's, a, it's an incredible relationship, but it's a relationship nonetheless. You hearing me? So we love him because he first loved us. And how do we love him? We, we love him by finding out who he is. Lord, who, who are you? Well, this is the scriptures. This is who I am. Lord, what do you love? This is, well, this is, this is what I love. Okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you the way that you want to be loved. Yeah. You hearing me? We got to give the Lord the Pinot Noir. You hearing me? 
right? We don't get to love, once again, we don't get to love him the way that we want to be loved. We love him the way that he wants to be loved. So give God the Pinot Noir. That's where, that's where we're headed tonight, okay? I got, I got, I got three points tonight, um, and, um, and then we're going to pray. And I'm just going to just bless you guys. Um, but I got three points because I'm a good preacher and we only say things in threes, right? So, so here we go. So uh, we're going to take a look at our, our first passage of scripture here. I got a number of scriptures that I'd like to turn to. thought it might be a, you know, a good idea to read the Bible. Um, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is Psalm uh, 141. So interesting, we were singing a song tonight uh, about some of this, this stuff. It's just so cool. A uh, little bit of context, David here is the author, he is on the run from Saul, uh, most likely this is what scholars believe about this passage, he loves worship, he loves the house of God, the courts of, of the temple, he loves to, you know, to be in God's house, and when he's on the run, he's writing these songs about, I just wish I, I could go to church on Sunday. Like, I'm out here in the wilderness. I feel so disconnected from God, you know, because I know where his, the ark is. And I know where his presence is. And, and I know where his, the priesthood is. And, and I know where the, you know, the, um, the Urim and, and Thummim are. And I, I hear the Lord's voice through them. And, and I just, I'm just feeling so disconnected, right? And so he's, he's writing this, this song. And he's going, Lord, I know I can't be at the temple right now. It's a, it's a total bummer. Um, but God, let my, let my prayer, like out here in the wilderness, be counted as incense before you in the, in the, in the temple, uh, without going into too much detail about the, the furniture of the temple. By the way, it's interesting, the temple, the tabernacle, uh, was like a, a, you know how like a, a Barbie doll house is not a real house, but it's built sort of like a real house? Do you know what I'm saying? That's the tabernacle. The tabernacle is just the, the doll's house of God's actual throne room. And also, that's why my, the Lord said to Moses, hey, build it exactly the way I tell you. There's prophetic significance for it, right? Like everything is going to matter, right? Um, so in the, in the tabernacle, there was this, uh, this, this table, this altar actually, that sat right in front of us. So remember the Ark of the Covenant? Do you guys remember? Okay, so the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that movie, Steven Spielberg? Ark of, right? It's like golden box with the angels on it, right? And at the end of the movie, they open it up and the Nazis' faces melted off. That Ark. Okay. So for, for a season, for a season, God was, was like his presence. That was just like his footstool. It was his presence on earth, right? And then later on, like he took, the form of, of Jesus, right? Like he, he was incarnated and it was even better. Um, but for a season, God's presence on earth was that ark and, and the ark was in this place called the Holy of Holies and there was this, this thick veil we were singing about tonight and the veil was super thick and super high. When Jesus died, the day, like the hour that he died, the veil was torn in two. But, 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 but the veil kept people outside of God's presence because God is holy and he would like, you know, open the box, your face is going to melt off type vibes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like a sinful people can't approach a holy God. And so God, only a priest, one priest could go in once a year and atone for the people. Um, so, so just outside of that, that, you know, God's green room, the, the veil, there was this, 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 this um, little uh, uh, incense, this, this, this altar of incense on a table, and the altar of incense was to be burned perpetually, right? Like it was just the incense was to, to come in, in, front of, in front of the ark, and so the, the, the priests would keep that burning, and they just they did it not knowing why, but just okay, we're going to do this, and then we see in the book of Revelation that the prayers of the saints are the incense that were coming up before the throne, right? Remember that? So David prophetically like just prophetically, just like randomly grabs this idea, knowing that the closest thing to the throne, right? The closest thing to the ark was that incense. And so he goes, Lord, I know that I'm way out here in the wilderness and I wish that I could have that intimacy like right in front of you, like that incense that's always burning, that's right in front of the ark. Lord, let my prayers right here, out here in the wilderness, let them be counted as incense before you. Like, Lord, let me have that intimacy. By the way, the intimacy that you enjoy. Yeah. Right, God, like, like that connection, like wherever. Lord, let that, that happen. And, and the lifting up of my hands, 
as the evening sacrifice. God, I know that I can't come before you, before, you know, before the temple, uh, and, I, you know, and I can't bring um, a sacrifice because I, I love you and I want to give you the things that you love. Um, and so you know, you've asked for sacrifices, and so I want to bring sacrifices to you because I'm not going to give you something that doesn't cost me anything and I just love you so much. Lord, I can't do that right now, but could, could this be? Lord, when I lift my hands to you, Lord, could that be the thing that you love? You hearing me? And prophetically, he's anticipating New Testament sacrifices, which we're going to see in a moment, which God loves Yod. That's point number one. God loves Yod. So Yod is the Hebrew word for hand. He, he, I don't know why, it, but it's his Pinot Noir. You hear me? He just, he loved the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You, the, you've probably heard the, the term um, yada, but in its English transliteration, which is Judah, right? The tribe of Judah. Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. It's one of the tribes of Israel. And um, yada, or Judah, the Germans made all of the yas, jaws. They're, you know, like Jehovah. That's, that's just a German corruption of the Hebrew word. Um, but um, but yada means to wave the hand. Anybody have a hand? Show me your yod if you got a yod. It's great. A lot of yods here tonight. Okay, now just, just do this with your yods. You're yodying. That's brilliant. So in, in, the Hebrew, in the Hebrew mind, praise, which is what, it's, what, what yada means. To wave the hand means praise, right? Um, Judah means praise. And, and um, the, the, the way... To, to praise, praise always involved the hand, right? It's like the root word of the, it just means waving of the hand, but it came to, to mean praise, right? Wow. So what, what is praise? Praise involves the hands. It always involves the hands. Why? Because God, lifting up of the hands is the evening sacrifice that pleases the Lord. Wow. This is this weird thing. Now, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to see the writer of, of the book of Hebrews. By the way, the, the book of Hebrews is written to uh, Jewish people. Most uh, early church fathers believed that the book of Hebrews was, was actually written in Hebrew, um, first, and then it was translated into Greek. The Greek in the book of Hebrews reads so differently than the rest of the Greek in the New Testament, most likely because it was written, or translated rather, by Alexandrian Jews. Um, But the the Hebrew in here, so I'm going to read this passage. It'll mean something in a second, but... um, So so we read it in English, through him, like through Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice. That would have been yada to God in the Hebrew. Like, let's offer up a sacrifice. Like, literally, he's pulling from Psalm 141. Wow, wow. Does that make sense? Which is what yes. the New Testament authors did. Yes. They continually pulled from the Psalms. Jesus, by the way, quoted the Psalms more than any other book, yeah. right? So their, their doctrines coming from this, let's offer up a continual sacrifice of Yadah to God. That's the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So the hands are going up. We see the incense coming from the mouth going up. You hearing me? Yeah. Okay. Um, do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We've seen sacrifice. Gosh, I think that's the third time that we've seen that now. And some of you are probably very nervous. <laughs> right? You ever like, no, like notice that that's the, all the sacrifice jargon? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, wait, like, I, I, aren't I living in the New Testament? Why are we talking about sacrifices? Are we going to bring a goat in here and kill it tonight? <laughs> You know, no, we're doing that tomorrow morning, by the way. Come with something that you don't like wearing. Might get bloody. I'm kidding. Um, But but, um, yeah, like sacrifices are also a New Testament reality. It's actually pretty interesting. So let's, firstly, let's define our terms really quickly. So, uh, So we don't sacrifice anymore for the, or the covering of sins. The sacrifices never removed sins. It never really dealt with them. It just kind of covered them. Um, now, um, Jesus was the, the ultimate sacrifice. Okay? He's the Lamb of God that was slain. He took all of the sin of the world upon him. Um, and when we receive him by faith, when we believe in him, we actually apply his blood, his sacrificial blood, you know, to our lives, to the doorposts of our life, as it were, like in the Passover story. Um, so Jesus' sacrifice is a once and for all unique sacrifice that takes away the sin of everybody who appropriates his sacrifice by faith. You hearing me? 
So anybody who just goes, Jesus, I believe you and I receive you, you receive that sacrifice and your sins are forgiven, past, present, future. It's insane. Okay? That's a once and for all unique sacrifice. So with regard to sin, it's done. Right? It is finished. There's only one sacrifice, never to be repeated, unique. You hearing me? Now, there are, that's that, that sacrifice, but then there are also New Testament sacrifices. Not to take away sin or not to gain God's pleasure, but we sacrifice from God's pleasure. You hearing me? Grace isn't opposed to works, it's opposed to merit. You hearing me? Like, what about grace? Yeah, yeah, grace empowers you to do what God's called you to do. Grace doesn't mean, well, I don't need to do anything. No, actually, if you have the grace of God operating in you, you're going to be doing a lot. You hearing me? Like, Paul was like, I labored more than everybody, but it wasn't me, it was the grace of God that was working in me. Do you know what I mean? It's this weird, grace makes you work, dude. You hearing me? So the grace of God's working in you, and you just want to, you want to love the Lord. That's so, so if we're talking about sacrifices, what it means is just serving the Lord. Like, like any good relationship, right? Any good marriage, there's sacrifice involved. You know, it's, and it's not because, you know, like, oh, you know, like this is all law. No, it's all beautiful, wonderful relationship and grace, but it's showing somebody that you're in it to win it. You hearing me? This is my heart. Watch this next passage. This next passage, it comes kind of abundantly clear, 1 Peter 2, 5. By the way, this idea of sacrifice and priesthood that we'll read in a second, it is like the foundational truth of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther sitting there, you know, 95 theses, you know, 95 problems with the Catholic Church. And one of his problems with the Catholic Church was that you needed a priest in order to connect with God. Luther reads this passage in 1 Peter 2, 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Right? So Luther sees this, this, all this, this priest talk, and he's like, what? The H-E double hockey sticks is going on here. You know, like, like I'm, the, I'm the priest? You hearing me? You're the priest. So I don't need a priest. I am the priest. You hearing me? And I have, a, I have priestly duties. What do priests do? They bring the sacrifices. It's what they do. It's literally, it's their job, right? We used to sing this song when I was a, I was a kid. Uh, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Worst song ever. <laughs> Worst song ever. The, the, the bridge is like, and we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Great, like, like great theology, horrible song. <laughs> but we knew what we were doing. Right, right. You hear me? I just love that. Like, we're, we're, we're bringing this, that's what we do. We're priests. So, so, you know, brother and sister Smith, like, I'm talking to you tonight. Legacy Church, you're a priesthood. Yes. Right? You're the priest. And the reason why you do what you do, you bring the sacrifices, right? Because that's what priests do. Priests do two things, okay? First thing they do is they bring, they they minister to the Lord. The primary calling of a priest is to minister to to God. I am here to minister to you, Lord. Lord, I'm here to, to, to make you my delight and to delight in you and to give you what you love. You like the Pinot Noir, you like the Yod? I'm going to give you the Yod. You hearing me? I'm going to give you praise. Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to worship you and bless your name. That's why I'm here. Part of the, 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 the problem, the reason why I'm, I'm uh, you know, talking about this, it's, to, you, to some of you, it might seem tautological. It's just like, we know that, Nate. Like, this is the issue, though. The, the church in America, and this is, church is everywhere. So, so wherever a church is, the culture is going to be there because churches are obviously in human places and human places are full of human culture. And so one of the cultures that we have, like we're, we're part of a, um, it's not a bad thing, but uh, we're part of a materialistic, capitalistic society. I don't think necessarily materialism is all, is all bad. Uh, God cares about material. You know what I mean? Like he created it. So um, there is that. <laughs> Heaven's going to be a very material experience. Um, so, uh, so long story short, we're, we're part of a, uh, uh, a material uh, c- 
but more so a consumeristic society, which is nothing wrong with that either, but it, it's, it is what it is. You're hearing me, okay? So in a consumeristic society, you go out in the world and everywhere else except for church, you're a consumer, okay? So like, so if I go to Denny's, right, um, and you know, I'm a, I'm a consumer, right? So I'm, I'm sitting at Denny's and I order a Grand Slam or whatever, extra bacon, all the bacon, right? And they bring it and it's like, it's not as fast as I wanted. You know, I pull up my Yelp review and I just start going, laying into Denny's. Do you know what I'm saying? Right? Like two stars, right? And then that lady was just like, there's a chip on her shoulder. She didn't like me, whatever. One star. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right? And I just, like, I'm a Yelp, like, we're all Yelp reviewing in our heads. You know what I'm saying? Every single experience that we have. Because we're consumers. That's the society that we live in. We expect a, a, a certain degree of service for our money. You hearing me? And it's every time that we're outside of the house. I mean, even at the house. You know what I mean? Complaining about the Wi-Fi, whatever. You're a consumer everywhere, right? But at church, what happens is the culture begins to get dragged into the house. So that's kind of the, 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 the challenge and the state of church at the moment. It's like we forgot that we're a priesthood. We think that we're consumers. We come into church Yelp reviewing. You hearing me? Right? So literally you come in and it's just all about what can serve you. But the problem with that is you're a priest. You hearing me? Right? You, you, you hear me, right? So like, so right, you start Yelp reviewing, you know, worship. Well, they didn't sing the songs that I like this time, so two stars. You know what I mean? I like, I like Pastor Lyle a bit better than this guy tonight. One star. You know what I mean? Like, and we just, we Yelp review, you know, and it's all about what you're experiencing and what you're eating. And we're guilty of, you know, what the Corinthians were guilty of. You're eating at the table of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Which is, that's just going to bring spiritual death, um, which isn't good. You hear me? So, so then, <laughs> so you need to discern the body, discern what's going on, and figure it out. Like, figure it out. You're a priest, right? What do priests do? Priests are on duty when they come to church. You're not here to receive. You're here to give. You hear me? You're, the, the primary reason you're here tonight is to minister to the Lord. That's why. You hearing me? And then the secondary reason that you're here tonight is to minister to others. That's what priests, it's literally their job. It's not Lyle and Allison's job to minister necessarily to you. It's, your, it's their job and you're, they're literally, they're just facilitating your job as the priesthood. Right? To minister to the Lord. This is not the worship band. You're the worship band. These are the worship facilitators. There's, all right, we're going to keep a beat and then you minister to the Lord. You hearing me? That's the New Testament priesthood vision. It's a game changer, dude. When people get a hold of that truth, it's game changed. Right? All of a sudden, we go from being a church where it's like, me, 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 me. Right? To, Lord, I'm here for you. Lord, I'm, I'm here to minister to you. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find somebody to minister to as well. Right? And, and paradoxically, as we minister to the Lord, you know, and as we minister to others, he who refreshes others will be himself refreshed. And so it's this weird thing where you, as you're pouring out, you're receiving. It's weird. I, I don't understand it, but it's, it's that, it's that, it's a, it's a, it's the, the Christian paradox of, of worship. You hearing me? So if you want to receive, you got to be a priest. You will never get enough if you don't become a priest. You will always have enough if you become a priest. Right? So, so, so number one, God loves Yod. Do your job. Give him the Pinot Noir. It's what he likes. It's what he's, he's, he's said in his word. Look, I like lifting of the hands. It's the easing sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that you're supposed to bring. You're a priest. Do your job. You had one job, okay? So do your job. Give the Lord what he wants. Love him the way that he wants to be loved. You hearing me? You don't, you don't, you don't have the option of loving him the way that you want to be loved. You, you hearing me? Like, doesn't work anywhere else. Why would it work here? You hearing me? 
Say amen or say ouch. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Next passage of scripture. Next passage of scripture. Uh, Psalm 57. Uh, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. This is David again. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. That's a weird verse. Awake my glory. Usually when we're talking about glory in the scriptures, we're talking about God's glory, right? Right, right, right. David begins to talk about his glory, which we're going we're gonna to touch on in a second. Awake my glory. O harp and lyre, he explains what his glory is. O harp and, lo- and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. We see God's glory, but we also see David's glory. What we know about David is that he was an incredible musician. He was an incredible, a lot of things, but one of the things that he was incredible at was, was uh, instruments. He was a multi-instrumentalist. The Bible actually says that he had invented some, mu- some musical instruments, which is, uh, you know, the guy's insane. And then he, he, he set up the tabernacle of David and he arranged the choir and he, okay, we're going to get the musicians here, we're going to get the choir. He was a producer. He's like Kanye, essentially. <laughs> right? Like, exactly what Kanye is doing, that's David. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this is the band. This is how we're going to do these sequences and we're going to do it to this five and this beat, etc. You, you know, you, you, you see, you know, in David's... And then we have his discography in the Psalms, right? Like, you can just read all of his, all of his music and, his, and the lyrics. The guy's, the guy's killer. His, his glory... So the word, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod. Okay? David's kabod, or one of the expressions of his kabod, was with music. Right? So he goes, God, I'm going to worship you. In this passage, he's going, God, I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to worship you with my kabod. So he begins to stay to his glory. Okay, kabod. Like, okay, glory. Like, and then he says his kabod. Okay, this is my kabod. This is what I'm good at. And so, I'm, Lord, I'm going to worship you with my kabod. You've given me glory. God's given every one of us a kabod. You're, so the, the Hebrew word for kabod is actually, it's weight. It, we translate it as glory in, in English. But in the Hebrew, it means weight. It's like, uh, it's like when you come into a, into a room, okay? You walk into a party and... And, and somebody doesn't know you there, so they turn to the host, and they go, hey, you know, who's that dude? And the host is like, oh, that's so-and-so, and that, man, that, that dude, um, you know, he, he runs a, a garage, uh, you know, across town, and he's a killer mechanic, bro, and he will fix you up, and he won't cheat you, and he's, he's a genius, I mean, he's, and he's a, a great dad, he's a great husband, and, you know, you, they start talking about your weight, Right? Like the things that you're known for. Your kabod is like what you're known around town for. You hearing me? Your kabod is the reason why somebody would call you on the phone and ask you for advice. It's your weight. It's what you bring to a room. It's what you bring to life. You hearing me? Your kabod has many manifestations. So it's not just the highest flower of your being or what you're known for, but it's also like your spark and your dialed inness. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's you being present, right? It's, it's you turning up to something. There's this girl at our church. Uh, she's administrative uh, in, in New York. A number of years ago, we're out uh, for a Christmas uh, staff party. We like to get crazy and wild and weird um, in New York. And so we're, we're out, you know, and, and everybody's, you know, dancing and having some fun. And, and I've never seen this girl in that context before. She's administrative. She's the glue that, bl- that binds us. You know what I mean? Like she, right? You know, her kabod at the office is like keeping us on track. Do you know what I'm saying? That's her weight. That's her glory. It's amazing. Um, so we're out and, and so everybody's dancing and she's like, I've never, she doesn't look like the dancing type. You know what I'm saying? And so she, <laughs> her song comes on, I guess. And, and so she gets up and she starts to dance and dude it was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen in my life but it was the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen in my life you ever seen somebody go for it and it's just like wow that's scary and awesome you know what I'm saying you don't need to be great at something but your, your kabod can be in it you know what I'm saying she, she turned up you hearing me 
You know, like it was, it was amazing. Her, she was, she was in it. How many of you know, like in a relationship and, and <laughs> this is real, but like, dude, you know, you cannot be turned up in a relationship. You can, you're right. Like you can be there, but not there. Uh, one of the ways that I love my wife is by listening to her psychotic dreams. Okay. So my wife dreams dreams every night, right? And they're always crazy. And so I don't particularly like listening to them, you know, especially when she'll like, she'll wake up and she'll be like, you were rude to me last night at a party in my dream. I'm like, I was sleeping, you know, like, (laughs) so, (laughs) it's so real. So my, my wife, my wife will be like, uh. Uh, you know, she'll be telling me a story. So I'm learning, right? Like my wife wants to talk about these things, right? This is, so the way to love jazz is to listen to her psychotic dreams, right? So she's like, you know, so we'll be driving. And, you know, and I was getting chased in Jurassic Park by a velociraptor, you know, like. <laughs> you know, and I'll be like, what next? Like two most painful words ever, you know, like. You know, but I can't say K, right? Like, girls hate it when you say K, so I've expanded it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, my text messages, man, my text messages are like K and then, like, paragraphs, essays. I've seen her text, and she's like, it's insane, dude. Like, it just stresses me out. So I'm, right? Like, so I've expanded K to what next, right? Like, Eye contact, what next, right? <laughs> so that, then I'm getting chased by a triceratops, you know, like, so I'm like, I'm, dri- I'm driving, right? And I'll be like doing, like keeping us alive, which I think is important, you know, paying attention to the road, imagine that, right? And so I'll, you know, get focused in on whatever, and then she keeps talking. And she'll be like, loser. You know what I mean? Like, where are y'all? You know, like. (laughs) And God is like a woman. Yes. Oh, yes. God knows when you're not there. So you can have two people, this guy on the right, hands up, guy on the left, hands up, right? Like both like, you know, bringing the Pinot Noir, but one dude's not there. You hear me? And, and girls aren't stupid. They're, they're so onto us. It's insane. It's, it's bad. Right? So my wife knows when my kabod is not there. Right? When my, my, I'm dialed in. My, remember that first date, guys? I mean, Kabod 110. Right? You know what I mean? Like, don't want to miss a thing. Right? Because even when I dream of you. Like, right? We were, we're hanging on every word, right? They remember that. And, and you know what? They want that. So as a husband, I need, I have to bring that. God is the same way. So he he wants hundred percent. So give God Yod. God loves Yod. Give him Yod, but also give him Yod. This is point number two with Kabod. You hearing me? Some of you, let me, let me bring this home a little further. I'll just unpack this for a second, but your Kabod, some of you have a gift of of articulation and encouragement, okay? So if, if somebody over here, is, they're having the worst week ever, and I go, hey, here's a pen, here's paper, and I want you to write a really encouraging word. You write them like a word that would just, you know, break chains off of their life and set them free, and they'd be, they'd be dancing on clouds for a month, right? You just have that gift. It's your kabod, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weight that God's given you. You're just good at it. You're hearing me. But in worship at times, there's a disconnect. You know, in those moments when we're like, okay, let's just, you know, let's just sing to the Lord. Just crickets. You're hearing me. You need to bring your, if that's your kabod, bring your kabod. You're hearing me. 
um, some, some of you, you, God's given you a gift, right? Like David, his kabod is from the Lord, right? All kabod's from God. There's no beauty in the world. No good thing in the world is not from God. Yeah. Everything that is beautiful is from him. You hearing me? Every weight is from him. He pre-exists all glory. So any glory is just from him. You hearing me? So any, anything that I have, so, so God's given you, maybe some of you, he's given you an ability to make money. You're strategic, you're entrepreneurial. It's, a, it's, a, it's your kabod, it's your weight. People know about that. You hear me? But in your worship, there's a disconnect. And God, God wants kabod. It doesn't matter what it is, he wants kabod. You hearing me? So Lord, I'm going to, my very best, my being, I'm going to give you my dialed inness. I'm going to give you my spark. God, I'm going to give you my focus. I'm going to give you my money. Like in marriage, yep. it's joint bank accounts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's scary. Yeah. My wife has everything. She has total access because that's how a real relationship works. A real relationship works like, babe, you, you have access, yeah. right? Nothing's hidden and, and, and holding back. Yeah. You hearing me? Yeah. Yeah. But there's that disconnect at times in our worship where it's like, okay, Lord, here it is. When God's going, great, thank you. Love the Pinot Noir. Thanks for the Yod. I'm seeing that. But also, where's the Kabod? Yeah. You hearing me? There's something, there's something more than just the hand. Yeah. There's a life behind the hand, yeah. right? There's... I'm not holding anything back from you, Lord. Yes. Yes. So good. Wow. Yod, God loves Yod. So number one, God loves Yod. But he wants Yod, number two, with Kabod. Yeah. Finally, this is, this is my third point. We're going to end here. I guess the band can come back up. Where's the band at? They're just chain-smoking cigarettes in the back somewhere. Nashville. Gambling, playing poker. <laughs> the drummer's up like 400. He's like, quick, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> um, God loves Yod. He wants Yod with Kabod. Yod with Kabod. This is my third point. Yod with Kabod, when we lift our hands... With our, with our lives behind it. You hearing me? So we're, Lord, I'm giving you this. I don't understand why you like hands, but I'm going to give it to you because I love you and you love Pinot Noir and that's, that's what you're getting. If that's what you love, Lord, then that's what you're getting because I love you. Yeah. Jazz, if, the, if Pinot Noir is what you love, I'm, that's what I'm going to give you because I love you. You hearing me? When I bring... Yod with Kabod gets God with Kabod. That's how that works. Yod with Kabod gets God with Kabod. God has a glory. God has a weight. God can do some pretty insane stuff. And I believe that there's some Christians who they're mailing it in at times. And then they wonder why they have such a, the kind of experience that they have. Like there's, you're not giving any kabod. So why would you receive kabod when you don't bring kabod? Let, let me, let me. So for example, in in marriage, in marriage, dude, when I bring the Pinot Noir with my dialed inness and my spark, right? I bring my kabod. I get Jasmine's kabod. Hello. I gotta have that kabod. You hearing me? But she knows. She knows if I'm mailing it in or if I'm being sensitive. You hearing me? Right? So intimacy and the pursuit of intimacy with everything that you are begets intimacy. So so you you, you can't mail it in with God. So you have to kind of choose. Lord, am I going to be the type of person who I'm all in and you see my heart? Or, 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 Or not? But that's, that's, the, that's why we do what we do. We tithe, we, we sacrifice, we, you know, all the sacrifices. I mean, do a whole sermon on New Testament sacrifices. There are many. You know, things that we do to just show the Lord, Lord, I'm here. 
Okay, like I'm, 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 I'm bringing you what you love. So I'm being thoughtful of who you are and what you like. And, and I'm showing thought and interest. Girls like, right? Like you have to do that with girls. It better be, it doesn't need to be expensive. It just needs to be thoughtful. You ever notice that? You know, it gets expensive eventually. <laughs> like the Lord. Like any good thing, it should cost you everything. You hear me? Right? So he's like, Yod with Kabod. Lord, so, so, so as I bring my Kabod, I, I bring the Yod and I bring the Kabod, I get God's Kabod. I experience His glory. His wonder. What would your life look like with God's glory leaning in to your life? Let's look at this passage in James 4, 8. If, you don't, if you're not convinced, let me show you some scripture here. Okay? This seems a little workspace. No, it's New Testament. It's New Testament, I'm telling you. Right? Once again, you're not working for his approval. You're working from his approval. It's totally different. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How does a person who's omnipresent, like how do you draw near to somebody who's just everywhere? Well, well, that's the whole point, is that just because he's omnipresent doesn't mean his glory is omnipresent. You hearing me? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then he begins to get into the Yad and Kabod language here. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. How do I cleanse something? What you give to the Lord becomes holy. Right? Which is why part of the reason why we tithe. You know, you give the 10%, it makes the 90 holy. You hear me? So, okay, so Lord, how, how, do, how do I cleanse my hands? Give them. Right? Repurpose them. Right? Your hands have been serving you your whole life. Your purposes. Your dreams. You know, the things in your heart. Okay, it's time to begin to repurpose your hands. How do I make my hands pure? By just giving them. Lord, these hands are going to be hands that serve you. Hands of a priest, God. I'm going to offer to you, give to you. They're going to work for you. You hearing me? They become cleansed. Then my, my, how do I purify my heart? By giving it. By giving it. God, I give you my heart in a fresh way today. God, I, I haven't been 100% on my kabod. None of us are, by the way. Um, you know, like we all struggle with that. All of us do. Nobody's, nobody's batting a thousand. There's only one person who's ever batted a thousand. It's Jesus. You hearing me, right? But we just go, okay, Lord, you know, just in a fresh way, Lord, I just, I repent, which means I just, oh gosh, I get to agree with you and I get to change. And I just ask your Holy Spirit to begin to stir in me and cause me to desire to give you my everything. So Holy Spirit, what is it that you're speaking to me about tonight? Where, what, what? Uh, parts of my kabod have I been withholding God I just ask you for your grace today to just begin to serve you Lord I receive my priesthood in a fresh way tonight God I'm getting serious about some things Lord I'm crossing some lines tonight in the spirit Lord you've called me to bigger and to better you've called me to be a worshiper who worships you in spirit and in truth though so God I'm going to be true Lord I'm going to present my hands to you I'm going to present my life to you God my I bought my best to you, God. Whatever it is, I'm not holding anything back because I want your glory. I need your glory. Lord, as I lean in, I know that you're there. Let me end with this. There's this, this principle in the Old Testament. You can stay standing. There's this principle in the Old Testament. It's so cool. So every time that somebody in the Old Testament brings a sacrifice that God likes, every time, every time, he shows up. Every time. It's the best thing ever. God is so faithful to not show up when the sacrifice sucks and faithful to show up when the sacrifice pleases him. You hearing me? And this is the kind of confidence that a New Testament believer can have. This is why now raising my hands is like magical. 
Church is just like, it's like Disneyland for me now. I'm just like, I cannot wait, Lord, to give to you my, 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 my tithe, Lord. I'm giving to you my time. Lord, I'm, I'm bringing you my hands because I understand now what you love. It's the Pinot Noir. It's what you love. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. That means when you're leaning into heaven and you're pleasing the Lord, lifting the hand. Hey, we just read the scripture verses and your life is behind it. We're not, once again, we're not talking batting a thousand, but we're going, Lord, I've given today. Lord, I, I've, I've brought to you, Lord. Lord, I'm serving to, Lord, I'm just, I'm being a priest. Lord, I'm bringing, you know that fire is coming from heaven. Because that's what, every time it happens, right? The New Testament, what happened when Solomon dedicated the temple? God, here is a, an insane sacrifice. Fire fell from heaven. You hearing me? This is why we worship the way that we do. Thank you for tuning in for this special presentation of Legacy Weekend. If you want to join us in person for Legacy Weekend 2021, tickets are available now on our website at LegacyNashville.org. For more information about Nathan Finocchio, including where to find his teachings and other resources, visit his website at NathanFinocchio.ca. Stay tuned next week for another powerful session for the weekend. Until next time, love God, love people, and change the world.